welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. FitSpeak, the podcast, is available on Podbean, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and our website, which is www.fitspeak.com. We're also alive and kicking it on Instagram. We have pictures of all things triathlon and fitness-related. Check it out. Tell us what you think. We are at FitSpeak. And we're also Facebook-friendly, the latest links to the coolest things in multi-sport, plus conversations to make you think about why you try. It's FitSpeak on Facebook. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission, and here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Helmet. Mention that word to Bruce or any of the staff members at Wenting's, and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Helmet. And we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With summer here, it's time to take that training time outdoors into the real world. And heck, there's even some honest-to-goodness racing going on. So whether you're preparing for a later season triathlon, one of those cool fondos, or maybe a fall half marathon, TriJoy can help. We can maximize your training time with structured and motivating sessions, and we offer our ears to help you hear your concerns and help you along the journey. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. On the program today, a little bit later on, join us for the FitSpeak Roundtable, where Kevin Watt, Roy McBeth, and myself will be discussing happenings in the world of endurance sports here in the Fraser Valley and beyond. But to kick things off, he's back. We present part two of our FitSpeak session with Victoria's Nick Patnude. And even though his family has got a lake named after them in central BC, Nick ain't no fish. He is, however, one of our province's brightest beacons of energy as a triathlon coach and also as the co-founder of the Tri-Nerds Training Group. He's also a fast dude, and behind that ever-present smile is one hell of a competitor. Let's get into it. 50 minutes of solar-powered FitSpeak begins right now. Now you're, like I said yep. in the introduction, a ringleader of a bunch of colorful triathletes known as the Tri-Nerds. Tell us, yeah. tell us the story about those folks. Difficult to nail down. Um, we are more so like a, com- so Tri-Nerds in itself is more so a community hub and it's sort of my friend slash client who I coached and became a friend, um, David Mackenzie Kong and myself head this group. I was already coaching athletes at this, at the time we started it and we both just like really got along as like really nerdy or like mm-hmm. self self-identifying nerdy <laughs> individuals. That, that's and pretty much in that, style nowadays, you know? Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I feel like we sort of like pioneered that style, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 So, like we were at the forefront. Yeah. <laughs> This um, Cody Beals guy, he's he's late to the party. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cody Beals is just jumping on our bandwagon. The bandwagon. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he actually like also has like like we have a really similar aesthetic mm. um, appreciation. <laughs> like he has like he's more vaporwave, so like he has his like vaporwave style aesthetic on his bike, but like. I'm more of like an overdrive, outrun synthwave kind of guy, but like very similar color mm. um, colorways. Uh, anyway, so David and I got along really well, and we we would always have these conversations about like why sports always seem to appeal so much to like the jocular types, and like mm. how triathlon sort of is a little more counterculture, mm. and the the idea of it being like an individual event uh, with like a surrounded by a community it makes it very accessible for people who don't feel like they have a space within sort of typical yeah, sports. Traditional like sports. jock, you know, locker room bravado and persona. Exactly. And, you know, the chest pumping up, whether it's female or male. <laughs> but then there's triathlon and duathlon, which embraces the, the, the nerd culture, and which is very cool, right? Exactly, and there's so many things you can geek out on in terms of <laughs> yes. and numbers, yeah. and like, oh, like x grams for this water bottle cage, and the oh, but the the aerodynamic coefficient of these forks, even though they're 50 grams lighter, yeah. it actually has a lower CDA. So I would go with the heavier forks. So and like, yeah. wonderful, it's great. And um, yeah, we were both like big into Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, who isn't? Let's be real. Even the jocks are. Um, but yeah, it, it just really. Like the the idea of having something that was sort of 
built around the idea that you can be like geeky nerdy and mm-hmm. still do sporty sport out jock yeah. things like it was great because the sports stuff like it, it gives you the community that that we all desire and a lot of community in like I mean, I can't make this as like an objective claim or anything, but the the idea that like a lot of like if you're into like Tumblr uh, or Reddit, like a lot of it is like it's an online community, which is great. You have a lot of interaction. There's a lot of like networking that occurs, mm-hmm. but you don't get the same like face to face social interaction. It's like a very different type of interaction when you're when you're training with somebody, which we're not doing right now. Right. Yeah. But but um, in like ideal times having like having a training camp like Mm -hmm. dude like being somebody who played like video games like Uh most of my formative years and like sitting at home and like i would we would have land parties sometimes but like for the most part we would play like from afar Mm -hmm. and like on on a virtual network um to be able to like do something with friends and like people that you train with and have that like physical outpouring of energy and then have that like emotional connection to it as well. Like, oh, like I was working really hard on that hill climb, and I saw you yeah. just whiz past me. Like, oh my god, like that's so great. I love it. I love seeing you work hard. And like that, that camaraderie yeah. and that connection. It's so cool to to get that opportunity, because yeah, a lot of us didn't have like the soccer, or mm-hmm. football, or whatever background oh, there's anything wrong with those sports it's just it yeah. wasn't accessible it, to it me. wasn't wasn't our thing and i'm speaking yeah. from my experience as well and another thing by having your own you know triathlon tribe is the the finish line at any race right i mean that's such oh, yeah. a such a celebration you know celebrating the other people's on your tribe's uh, successes consoling their failures listening to the war stories after you know yeah it's just uh yeah it's a beautiful sense of community and and for sure like you were alluding to something that we've dearly dearly missed over the past what is it now 18 or 19 months <laughs> yeah many months (laughs) well you're quite the geek in fact you're geeked out to the max here the only thing that is lacking is what a dissertation and the letters phd before your name but (laughs) tell us about the the ma how did you know the pursuit of that affect you as an athlete i mean you had to make obviously some compromises because that's a heavy workload in itself as well all the same while you're training for multi-sport um what do you walk away with your ma specializing in sports psychology how did that make you a better coach a better athlete so my undergrad ended up i actually didn't mention this so i started off in athletic or i started off in organic chemistry, biotechnology, shifted to athletic therapy, decided I didn't want to do acute injury management, and switched again to my undergrad ended up being exercise and wellness. From there, like that was more of a sort of like um, sociocultural sort of perspective of sport and um, how to engage with communities. But I also had the first two years of athletic therapy, so I have like a, Mm. a strong background in the call it hard sciences of like exercise physiology and then sort of layered on top of that more of like psychosocial domains of sport and performance and so i i'd been coaching at that point already for triathlon and just really got into the cognitive aspects of performance and so in particular i i really latched onto this researcher at the university of kent in uh, the uk dr samuel marcora if you've come across his work before, but there's essentially like two models of sports psychology that are have sort of like the biggest following that um, or the most momentum. And there's like Tim Noakes, the central governor mm-hmm. model, which yeah, he sort of pioneered in like the eighties and has been sort of like um, building on that over the years. And there's different um, revisions on like how the central governor model affects performance in different sports and domains. My interest is obviously in endurance performance, mm-hmm. um, but then Dr. Samuel Marcora, um, he pioneered sort of the the psychobiological model of endurance performance. So, central governor model is basically there's a subconscious uh, layer within um, your psyche and or your physiology, wherever it's located. We don't we don't know where this governor is located, mm-hmm. but there is this um, aspect of ourselves that when we hit a certain 
level of exertion, uh-huh. our body knows like, oh, hey, we got to tone this down or uh-huh. we're going to explode. Like, okay, we need to slow this down. Like that's mm-hmm. the sort of central governor model. And that central governor model has varying degrees of uncertainty, I suppose, in that like you can you can train that to be less responsive in certain areas. And some people have a higher threshold for when they cross that sort of that central governor um, activation. Some people have a lower one, but either way you can sort of push it and train it to not kick in until a certain level. Slightly different, the psychobiological model of endurance performance is um, more related to how we perceive, like how we ourselves, the the self perceives exertion. Um, And so the psychobiological model of endurance performance posits that you will perform to a certain degree of uh, output dependent on how difficult you perceive something to be Mm. related to how motivated you are to complete that task. So sometimes if you're not super highly motivated, say like a local 10K race for an Olympic athlete, they they may not run a PB, even though they may feel like they're working really hard Mm -hmm. and they could feel like they're giving it a 10 out of 10, but really they do like a, whatever called like a 2906 or something. Um, but then they show up to like maybe, uh, an an Olympic trial event Mm -hmm. and they will be working at the same level of, of effort. Like they feel like they're putting in the same amount of effort, but their motivation is a bit higher. And that sort of helps pull you through that gap. And like maybe that 2906 is now, uh, 2854 or whatever. And so like that, that cognitive aspect of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, but that, that motivational aspect sort of like pulls you through those little breaks. And there's, there's like different ways that the central governor model also addresses that same issue, but that's sort of what the central theme of like the psychobiological model is versus the, um, social government model. Anyway, so that I got really interested in that mm-hmm. in, in, in near the end of my undergrad, and so I decided that uh, that was sort of the avenue that I wanted to pursue in being able to like unlock these uh, psychological aspects of athletes that I work with. Oh, okay, yeah. More so than focusing on so like, it's a lot simpler to not easier, but yes, yeah, simpler to address physiological mechanisms for most recreational athletes because you can generally um, fairly easily find what limitations exist because they're generally very um, external. You can see it like, oh, if you're running a five-minute pace, I can see that you're uh, overextending at the hips and heel striking and your stride is too long, so if we shorten that stride and your heart rate is really high, so maybe we need to focus on zone two training or whatever that equation works out. Yeah, that's We the have easy a really stuff. good understanding. Yeah. That's Yeah, it's the relatively easy, it's yeah. the simple stuff. Yeah. It may be hard and it'll hurt, but it's yeah. at least simple. Um, but then to be able to address sort of like, okay, like you, like if we want to unlock that extra few percent in yeah, a recreational or a performance athlete, like how do we make the event or the the training even more meaningful and how do we sort of create that motivational environment to keep you training because a lot of a lot of the the difference in terms of like performance for athletes at, mm-hmm. at a recreational level isn't necessarily how fast they can go on any given day but how consistent they are with the training and you have like various like um, like you have like emotional stressors that impact your performance and you can have like just time stress and like how you prioritize your day and what things carry over day to day. So yeah, how do, how do I as a coach help tap into an athlete's psychological profile to optimize their ability to train? And then the next step from that is looking at a race performance. That's and like right. How do day we, of like, race execution, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause you can train Cheryl all Long- you want, but if you don't uh, show up and do what needs to be done on race day, that training, you know, you could have been spending time at home eating pop tarts, you know? Oh, easily. Yeah. You, you might, you might weigh a few more pounds, but at the finish, yeah. line, it, it, it don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, totally. So yeah. So that's, that's what got me into that. And then my MA, I ended up doing an MA instead of an MSC because I started doing, so my, my thesis um, and my research started off as 
so another aspect of a psychobiological model, sort of like a subset of it, is how emotional psycho. So you can have cognitive and emotional fatigue, right? And so how your uh, stores are depleted based on like completing cognitive tasks, so like mathematical equations or like writing an essay or whatever, or emotional tasks. So if like someone in your family like passes um, or if you have a fight with a partner or um, uh, a cat, you lose your cat or your dog or something, like that's going to like take tax. It's going to tax your emotional system um, and your cognitive system. They They both have like a similar pool of... Uh, resources, resources how we view yeah, it. For lack of yeah. And so my thesis was how does depleting this pool of um, cognitive and emotional resources, I was focusing on cognitive with students, how does um, tapping in and draining these cognitive faculties, how does that affect endurance performance? And so I only ended up getting, I had three individual athletes that mm-hmm. I was able to test before I, I couldn't test athletes anymore yes um so anyways there's no conclusive results but Mm -hmm. essentially what the the research was was there were separate days that they would come in they would come in and they would do a time to exhaustion test on the bike Mm. and essentially that tells you like how much time you can uh complete a certain workload um or sorry they did an map test maximal aerobic power test to determine what load they would have to be at um, and then they would have two time to exhaustion tests. Time to exhaustion test one would be they would do a cognitively demanding task, which was the Stroop color word task. If you're familiar with that at no, all, no, what's that? It's um, you've probably seen it and just don't know it by name. Probably lots of people ended up ended up knowing what it was. But mm. essentially, there will be a a word written on the screen, and it'll be the name of a color. So it'll be like red, yellow, blue, green were the four colors we used, and then the font of those words will be in a certain color so and they'll be in the colors red blue yellow or green you have to hit a corresponding key on the keyboard related to what color it is written the font in what Mm. color the font is written in Mm. so your mind reads red but it's written in the font yellow yeah so you have to bring that dissonance right yeah Mm. exactly and so it's a cognitively demanding task Uh um and so they have to do that for (laughs) It's really terrible. They would have to do it for 20 minutes, which is very cognitively demanding. (laughs) But we needed something that would induce um, some amount of fatigue. Um, And then they would do a time to exhaustion bike. So using the MAP score, we would say, okay, you're going to be at like 90%. uh, It was 85% of your maximal aerobic power. Go until you can't anymore. And it was sort of like within like a 20-minute range. And we would see like how long it takes them to hit exhaustion. And then the control group would basically instead of doing 20 minutes of stroop color word it would be like 20 minutes of like you can like read a magazine or um we had magazine a book and we had uh just like a pad of paper and like pens and pencils if you want to just like draw Mm. just like hang out for 20 minutes just like do whatever you want you can listen to your music if you want they could yeah so basically something that was not cognitively demanding. And so we have no, I have no conclusive results with mm. three athletes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And it had, oh yeah, anyways. So, so how, yes. how did you uh, achieve the MA? You still had to produce the document. What was that? Yeah, so I ended up doing a knowledge translation piece instead due to an inability to complete research. So mm. um, basically all of the research that I did leading up to my um, thesis, basically became the bulk and then a knowledge translation piece is basically an expert um, translating the information into something that can be digested by like a a certain demographic population so i did a knowledge translation piece of how to inter or it was basically just like a primer on the current literature of um stress on athletes and in particular student athletes and like how it impacts them so yeah it's basically like it's 20 page Mm -hmm. that was actually the hardest part because you you can't use jargon 
right? So it's mm. it's all about like it's so easy to get caught up well, like in when you're in academia. World, you have your own language, so all yeah. these terms of reference. But for an outsider to try and decipher, crack the code, so to speak, you're doing the hard work, right? And that's exactly. Like, mm. and it's like, man, how do I like relay this information without like saying the like anterior cingulate cortex like mm. i guess the brain like the <laughs> mind i don't know like what yeah. do we what do we reference here yeah so. and to, to try and honor what has been said but yet expanding that to a, a wider wider audience that's a lot of groundwork oh, yeah. yeah yeah it's so hard and it gives me a lot of appreciation for like science journalists <laughs> that, like they're just doing that every day like mm. pumping out like research that happens at CERN and they're writing it in a way that I can read it. I'm like, wow, thanks guys. Like yeah. now I know all about like <laughs> sending like neutrons at each other or whatever, <laughs> not neutrinos, but yeah. So <laughs> Anyways, talk to us uh, about you know the past 18 months for you i mean you're a guy uh i read your race reports of the what was it the 2018 duathlon and uh, <laughs> yeah the, you're, you're the right. last one that i wrote you're cheering you're happy and all that you know you're nick the happy guy but you're also a, a fairly competitive bastard like the rest of the people who do these sports <laughs> oh um, man you gotta be what type how have you been keeping it together i mean you haven't been hitting the pop tarts too badly either i suspect no, it's it's definitely ebbed and flowed, yeah. and I mean, secrets out here. So like, I was hoping to go to Hawaii for the seventy point three in like uh -huh. two weeks here, uh, but I called that off because it doesn't look like anything's gonna be. It's great in Hawaii right now, mm. and like going to Hawaii is like super easy. Like I could get there, but like yeah. coming back would be the issue because we don't have the same vaccination schedule that they do. Um, so it's. Just, didn't feel like a responsible choice for me to, to make right now. Um, but that had been keeping me going for the last like three months. That was, was like, it. That was the and I just, weekend. I just trained like that, like yeah. in my, in my heart of hearts, <laughs> I admitted to myself that it was a 50, 50 shot that like yeah. maybe BC would be able to like travel by that point mm. and maybe not. Yeah. But that's fine. I'm going to train like this is the thing that I'm going to do and I'm just going to like give it my all. So I did like a mm. full like build. Mm. I like I dropped down to my like race weight. Oh, okay, and yeah. I spent all winter as well like training for Hawaii and I'm continuing that right now because mm. I'm right now I have Cozumel in September mm. that I'm looking at doing. Um, but I trained in like, I was doing trainer rides inside in this like stuffy little room that we have. Oh, yeah. And I wear hoodies. Oh, wow. And I keep the hood on. I would wear like a hat and a hoodie. Mm. And like, I would just like grind on the trainer in arrow position, mm. just like try and get as hot as I could. I would have the fan on to keep circulation up, but it still got like hot and humid. Yeah. And like the inside of the windows are just like just, oh, yeah. covered in humidity. Yeah. And it was just like wonderful. <laughs> um, so like I've been able to grind pretty hard and I live with so like my partner Holly uh -huh. uh, but we also have a roommate uh, Batu who's a triathlete as well and like he's also just like super dedicated and we have very different training schedules so like mm. we never train together really yeah. um, but like we see each other train all the time <laughs> it helps like keep the energy up mm. it's like oh like you went and did this today like well I guess for my run tomorrow, I'm going to have to hit that pace. And like, mm. like, oh, what watts were you hitting today? What's your watts per kg? Like, uh -huh. okay, I'm doing this. So, <laughs> I mean, nice job, but I'm still better. <laughs> and, um, like, we have a lot of back and forth, like, that ripping on each other. So that's been really helpful is, like, having a roommate mm, who is yes. dedicated to the sport. And I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Um, over the winter, like, during the cold months, I was hosting virtual video sessions over like Zwift and um, um, we use Discord but essentially yeah. just like so we would have training sessions and every week there would be like between like two and six of us from mm -hmm. TriNerds and we would do a structured workout that I would lead together and we would ride together in, in Wadopia or wherever mm -hmm. we happen to be in Innsbruck sometimes, travel the world and so still being able to maintain some of that community vibe. I feel like a lot of my motivation during COVID has stemmed from the fact that like I'm like pushing others to stay motivated mm. that like seeing them yeah. continue is just like reaffirming for myself as well. Like, Oh, like, Oh, this client is doing 
like 120k ride this weekend like i should probably be doing that i guess like i can't slack off that much so it's being a coach like you have to practice what you preach man like i can't just you should and that's why it's nice to have a coach who has you know some skin in the game right who's still an active triathlete who still gets out there and gets flats on the side of the road who bonks in training if oh i'm on the trainer the whole time there's no flats no flats on you oh okay (laughs) (laughs) not this winter (laughs) gotcha but yeah yeah, same sentiment yeah grinding it out on the trainer with them yeah Mm But yeah, having that and that like that helps so much. Yeah. And then just having that little bit of like we were only doing once a week because it's so hard to like match schedules with everyone. Yes. And I was also doing like virtual one on one sessions. Um, I practice as a kinesiologist as well, and so like I have quite a bit of I guess like workload that I'm bouncing mm-hmm. between and my training schedule is sort of different from what other people's would be because I usually have midday free mm-hmm. and then I usually train athletes in like the early morning and after work sort of time frames um but yeah it's definitely yeah just being a coach is probably like the biggest thing that motivated me and just like obviously like i have so much knowledge in the field of like sport and performance psychology that like it's really easy for me to draw on these like wordy terms and like oh proper goal setting and all that but like <laughs> just go back honestly and- like visualization goes a long way and in terms of like maintaining motivation like i have all these resources that i can draw upon and Mm -hmm. they help so much like just sitting there and i have like not completely daily meditation but like pretty close to daily meditation Mm -hmm. and a pretty solid practice in that that sort of keeps me grounded and sort of keeps me um conscious I suppose of like what the reality around me is and trying not to get caught up too much in, in like the negativity, even though there I recognize a lot of the negativity, but I try not to let it affect my personal growth. Right. So when you say negativity, be, if you can, a bit more specific, what sorts of, we're talking. Oh yeah. I mean, negative thoughts. Surely like COVID related, like, yeah. Um, people being like, um, depression like anxiety and just like the amount of sort of like social and civil unrest around the uncertainties within within the pandemic and so like oh like a big one i guess would be like um feeling like you're we're never getting out of this like oh man like i've been there this is is how it's gonna be so and and that of course you know is unrealistic because they're probably is going to be an end and it's probably going to happen in the next six months there i put it out there doesn't Um, matter when it happens but like yeah (laughs) it might be six months that'd be great yeah i'd be be down for that um but even if there isn't like i mean there's still things that i enjoy like i obviously i'm very fortunate in like one that i have triathlon like i have an individual sports like Mm. i'm not like a soccer player or a basketball player who like relies on other people to be able to do my craft like my craft is me like i go out and i do my thing Mm -hmm. whereas yeah like friends who have like team sports and like oh man like i haven't played basketball for like 18 months like i feel that like that's that's hard like you you can only shoot hoops in your backyard for so long like i can go ride out to nanaimo and and back and i'm like i'm away from everybody like it's great yeah i mean think of those poor people who are you know baseball back catchers practice that who's throwing (laughs) a machine but they've got machines for many things um one of the things that motivates a lot of people and yeah, we're talking everybody from the top of the sport to the bottom of the people and the age groupers is rivalries with other athletes. So mm-hmm. in the world of Nick Patton, do you have any uh, any people who you kind of set your sights in? Do you have this cohort of people who, you know, want to beat you or you want to beat them, whether it's, you know, from a provincial, national, international perspective? Oh, 100%. Batuhan Kaya. Okay, and okay. There's number one. Going also, he's my roommate. <laughs> yes, and he's yes. also, like, we have talked about how we need to bring trash talk back to yeah, triathlon. Yes. And by back to, I mean just into triathlon. So I'm going to lay this out now and be like, Batu, mm. your watts per kilo are a travesty. <laughs> and, like, 
buddy, next time <laughs> we go 1v1 in triathlon, like, mm. not going to stand a chance. He'll get no. out of the water way ahead of me. Nah. And that's going to be the first thing he says probably is that, like, I will not be able to touch him in the water. And that's true. Yeah. I won't. I won't be anywhere near him. But, like, I'll drop him on yeah. the bike and just hold that off on the run. <laughs> but other than that, it's just, like, the classic, like, <laughs> the quintess- the quintessential, like, mental performance Hmm. counselor in me is just like you got to be better than your previous self Ah, constant growth always always growing Hmm. and like really i'm i would say that i'm like competitive in spirit but not in nature um so i have like a competitive side but it's not a a very external competitive nature from me like it's don't have a strong desire to to dominate or to like that's like a very harsh word (laughs) i feel like that's like it's a very loaded way to phrase this but i don't feel like i need to be like above and beyond like anyone else outside of outside of myself so a lot of my motivation is like very intrinsic and like um value driven like it's it a lot of my personal bests and like my Mm -hmm. training is driven by the fact that like i want to be like the best version of myself and i like not to like sell that short like Mm. it is stressful and like it like it breaks me down sometimes but it's like me breaking me down um Mm -hmm. because like i see past uh examples of myself Mm -hmm. and like especially during covid and being like man like I was like peak shape in that race and like Mm -hmm. my form was so good and I did Mm. so well. Like I can't do that right now. Like what is wrong with me? Like get your act together, Mm -hmm. Nick. Like, come on, pick it up. Like it's time to get out and run. Or like I used to run in the rain and like bike in the rain Uh and I am not down for that anymore, uh, but I sell it to myself in that, like, I'm training for hot races, so I always ride no, the train. Well, there you've got an like angle and you make it right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, a different style of training now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, like, sometimes I'll, I'll, like, look outside and be like, I am not riding outside. And it's like, I'm riding inside. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, three years ago, Nick, you would have done, like, 150k in this and like mm. not even batted an eye you were just gone and done it and just, mm, yeah but i don't need to yeah yeah <laughs> i don't need that right now in my life so yeah batu and myself mm-hmm. that's it that's all we get that's it <laughs> yeah um well before we wrap it up we're gonna ask you the standard fitspe question to to wrap things up here if, yeah. if you've done your homework you'll be fine if not you might scratch your head or you might just be brilliant we asked cameron <laughs> worth this worth this question a couple of weeks back and it took him like 0.5 of a second so here's oh the question God. for nick Uh-oh. so if you could be an animal other than a human being what animal would you be and tell us why See, I mean, it is, like, a very tough question, and, like, I have these very esoteric responses that I'm like, oh, I would be a butterfly because then I would appreciate the moment and I would not have to worry about anything. But at the same time, I'm like, I would just be a dog because, like, people would feed me and cuddle me and pet me, and, like, I would be a dog in North America. North American dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Korean dog, different story. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And, like, there are many other animals that I would definitely be, like, I would be that, but, like dogs in north america get treated so well i would get to run all the time and Mm. like sniff other dogs butts (laughs) it's great (laughs) okay well thank you so much for uh taking the time to fit speak with us uh what's what's next on your training schedule i guess you're going to be training other people this afternoon right do you do you have a afternoon session just for yourself to do today uh so i did a double this morning and then i have um, hopefully doing one more this evening if uh if everything goes according to plan but it's just gonna be like an hour indoor like mm. late at night so okay yeah i had like a nice little brick this morning a duathlon brick because ah. duathlon mm. is where it's at yes a run bike okay <laughs> well thank you so much for taking the time uh, best of health and let's keep our fingers crossed that we have perhaps some sort of multi-sport season here in uh british columbia in 2021 Oh, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you out there again, you and Mikey. (laughs) It'll be so good to see you guys. Welcome again to another edition of the Fit Speak Roundtable. I'm Kevin Watt, along with Roy McBeth and Kevin Hines. 
A lot's happened since we last chatted and we're going to start things off locally with Kevin H. Uh, what do you have for us? Well, some exciting news in the world of local cycling from Phoenix Vela. We were talking earlier about them hopefully starting some time trials and Jeff Orman company have dropped the notice that starting in two Thursdays from uh, this week, they are going to resume their time trial series out in Hoogan Park in Abbotsford. It is the usual place at the usual time, which is on Thursdays. So we're pretty excited about that. And Mikey Ross was gonna be with us tonight. He couldn't make it, but he is also excited about finally getting the ball rolling for group workouts with the Abbotsford Triathlon Club. They're already doing some group swims over at Rolly Lake. Uh, without the weeds of Wanak Lake. So they're having some successful swims there and runs around the lake after. I believe that's happening on Sundays. And Mikey is trying to get his tribe re-energized uh, re for hitting the track. And I'm not sure this year if he's gonna be doing it on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, but uh, we'll be in conversation with Mikey and he'll be giving us uh, all the details on that. <laughs> And one of the places that things have already been going strong with is in Europe. Yeah, the Tour de Suisse is on right now. Uh, I haven't uh, managed to catch uh, stage four yet today. I uh, subscribe to Flow Cycling and GCN Plus being the uh, bike geek that I am. So I try to watch everything. Um, but I didn't get a chance to watch today. But um, the last two days, of course, uh, uh, Matthew Vanderpool is uh, back on the start line and is absolutely dominating, uh, taking two wins, uh, stage two and stage three in the Tour de Suisse. Um, kind of looks untouchable. I mean, uh, the world champ, Julian Alaphilippe, you know, attacking early and uh, trying to get away. And uh, they, no one no one has a, an answer for Vanderpool. He just seems too strong at the moment. You know, before the Tour de Suisse, uh, they had the Criterium, the Delphine. Yes. Uh, there's been a lot of sort of shorter stage races, one-week races. You know, the Giro d'Italia wrapped up. I'm getting really excited about the Tour this year. Everything seems really condensed due to COVID. I don't remember all these races happening so close together. And there's just so many amazing riders in the field right now. And I'm not sure if it's just me, but it seems like 80% of them are all on the Ineos Grenadiers team. I don't know what anyone else is going to do in the Tour de France, but, you know, you look at the Giro d'Italia mm -hmm. and even Bernal from the Ineos Grenadier wins. You look at uh, the Delphine, the Criterium de Delphine, and uh, Richie Port from Ineos wins, and Geraint Thomas from yeah. Ineos is second. You know, you know, Richard Carpatz is in, in the Tour de Suisse and is probably a favored GC to win. Ineos, you know, you look at the time trials, Filippo Ganna and Rowan Dennis. They're, I don't know where they find the money or how they pay these guys, but man, I don't know what the squad's going to look like for the Tour of France, but you'd be crazy to bet, a, a bet against Ineos in the Tour. That's what's going on in Europe. Yeah, we're seeing a repeat of the, the domination of Team Sky. And uh, once upon a time, there was that squad out of the States called mm -hmm. U.S. Postal who had a pretty good run there as well. And of course, the Tour de France isn't the only show in town this summer. We also have the Summer Olympics in Japan, and a lot of national team members are trying to make a name for themselves. Had some rather heated action at the World Triathlon Series race in Leeds, England over the weekend. Roy, what was the deal over there? Uh, well, it was awesome, actually. I don't know if you guys... Um like I said, we're, we're, we're kind of uber geeks when it comes to watching these events. I think COVID uh, has turned us into uh, classic coach uh, <laughs> triathletes, uh, you know, watchers. But because we also subscribe to uh, Triathlon Live. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. But again, we watch Triathlon Live. So all day Saturday, we were watching uh, the WT, WTS, yes, WTS. Yeah. Um, men's and women's elite race in Leeds, which of course is a big uh, Olympic selector for a lot of uh, nations trying to trying to fill out their rosters for the Olympics. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest stories, well, there was a couple, I mean, the U.S. women's team are still trying to fill a spot and you've got Katie Sapiris, who was the, the WTS world leader going into the Olympics when they're supposed to happen in 2020. Now she's not doing that great, and you got other athletes like Taylor Spivey trying to take her spot. So that was that was highlighted a bit, you know. But for us long course athletes, I think the biggest story was Lucy Charles Barkley. Yeah, um, you know, stepping up with 11 days notice, mm -hmm. coming off an Ironman training block, and they call her up with 11 days to go and say, "Hey, 
by the way, do you <laughs> want to know the start line with the top, you know, 40 elite short course women? So she did. Yeah. It, it was kind of funny. If you follow her on YouTube, she posted her trying to learn how to mount the bike, uh, <laughs> like the short course stuff, yeah. and get off the bike. And her, her transitions were horrible. Mm. Um, and in my opinion, probably cost her a podium spot. Like she's still. She was amazing. She was a game changer in that race. Um, from the get-go, she split the field like they'd never seen before because of this, her swim. Four or five other women uh, managed to grab onto her feet, the other elite swimmers, and immediately it split the pack. The, the race stayed split like that for the rest of the time, but her her T1 was terrible compared to these other short course girls that were on their bike in a nanosecond. And, of course, her handling skills, right? Mm. Triathletes, arrow bars, yeah. straight line, mm. solo, power per hours. And, uh, you know, that short course is draft legal, up and down, 180 turns every few kilometers. And you can see her really struggling and scrubbing too much speed in the corners and then having to sprint to try and catch back up. But, you know, props to her. It was fun to watch. She battled and she stayed right up in the top six oh. uh, until they came off the bike. Um, and then the thing that surprised me the most was coming off the bike. She must have ran about a 34 and changed 10K uh, because she came off the bike in sixth and ran her way into fifth. But she passed, you know, the U.S.'s number one, Taylor, uh, Spivey. She all ran her and Spivey runs a 34 minute 10K. So it was pretty interesting. I, you know, I, I don't think they'll select her for the Olympics. I think their team for Great Britain is probably already. Uh, already in hand but yeah. you know maybe she'll get a call for the uh the new um sprint relay yeah that they have in the olympics right like so it was it was super fun to watch and you know the men's race um super fun I, it wasn't quite as hyped because you didn't have uh, lucy making her debut but it had its own drama as well yes brown they tried to make the olympics for the fourth fourth time no it didn't have it he ended up getting disqualified for some unsportsmanlike conduct during the swim yeah, uh, I guess call the Brits call it ducking, and we would refer yeah. to it as dunking, or, yeah. Yeah, I think here we, we refer to it as trying to drown your competitor, your yeah. opponent. Um, they caught him on camera, like, literally putting his hand on the guy's shoulder and, and lifting himself out of the water. So, yeah. But he didn't, you could tell he didn't have it. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Brownlee had a great race. The big surprise there was the young, the young fellow, uh, is it Alex Lee? Yeah, wow. Uh, from Great Britain, who that guy runs like he is, his shoes are on fire. Like it is just, it was crazy. I mean, so much this week I've been out doing my runs. And yeah. when I'm running super easy, I'm like, be like Lee, be like Lee. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a rhinoceros running, but um, yeah, it was, it was something to watch. He just, he, it was used in a different class. So. Yeah. I was, it was pretty cool. So the whole weekend at Leeds was great. It was great to see a lot of fans on the sidelines. Like they're starting to open things up again and just getting a, a sense of some normalcy. So I'm super excited for the Olympics. I hope it can go off well. Yeah. Um, it's always a big deal. I mean, we're glued to the TV every day watching the Olympics. So yeah. it's going to be hard to get the training in. So, and coming up next here, uh, next time on FitSpeak, Kevin Hines will be in conversation with Triathlon Magazine Canada editor, uh, Kevin McKinnon. Uh, they'll be talking, uh, taking a look at what might be happening for our Olympic hopefuls. Uh, there were a couple of crazy setbacks uh, for Joanna Brown, but stay tuned for that one, and uh, that'll be in a couple of weeks. Uh, you guys want to talk uh, long course maybe right now? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, like I was saying, things are opening up locally and over out east in the province of Alberta. they got a couple of things going on. It's going to be the return of a race that wasn't here last year, of course, because of COVID. It was the very first half Ironman I had ever done out in Stony Plain, the Great White North Triathlon is, is coming back. And I think for the past couple of years in the elite division, Nathan Killam has owned that race. In fact, it was about three years ago, there was one hell of a battle. I mean, Simons was leading, but then he faltered and it was our man, Nathan Killam, who uh, who picked him off at the end for a, a big upset victory there. So that's going to be running in its traditional time, which is in the start of the month of July. And of course, in August, we've got the return of the Yahoo, the Calgary 70.3, one of the faster Ironman courses 
horses uh, on the circuit. Our our local girl Leanne Parker did like a sub 230 on that course. Uh, had a personal best. So um, I'm not sure. Roy, are you going for that one? I am. I was super pumped as soon as I knew racing was going to open up. Um, that'll be my first race in two years. Last race was 70.3 Whistler 2019. So yes. I'm uh, registered for Calgary. It's a completely different course this year. Um, it's not the two transition point to point bike mm -hmm. that uh, produced the uber fast bike, bike times. Um, it's out near Harmony Lake, I guess. Uh, I'm not quite sure where that is. I think it's east of the airport. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super, super pumped. The lake, uh, lake looks nice. Swim course looks like a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> If people are going and you haven't been practicing your sighting in open water, I'd, I'd be doing it in the pool because it, look, there's more turns on that course than like a F1 race course, it looks like. So, Whoa. yeah, the bike course, I, I, I don't know about the bike course. There's a bit of elevation there, I think, even as well. So... But yeah, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, super excited. Yeah, your first race in, uh, like you were saying, two years since the Whistler, uh, way back before the world was a different place. And of course, we <laughs> do have to talk about the elephant in the room, the Ironman Canada race that was finally uh, announced. It's going to be, what, the very last Sunday in the month of... September. September. So a lot of yeah. uh, speculation on that. I mean, we've all done the course. Kevin, you did it in its traditional time. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody did. The mm -hmm. last time I did an Ironman was in uh, Whistler, and it was a bit of a different experience. But people are talking about what is the weather going to be like? It's going to be perfect. Yeah. It's going to be perfect, and no one's going to be worrying about heat stroke or nothing, you know? Um, <laughs> it'll probably be... I don't know, 20 degrees. People are just going to rock that course because of the temperature. There's no question. You are you are a very positive thinker, Kevin. That's uh, that's awesome. I, I think if anything, mm -hmm. all you can say about the weather is it's going to be the same for everyone. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, I, I've got a lot of friends that live in Penticton, guys I train with, guys I race with, uh, people that live there and train there. Um, particularly with, uh, you know, Johnny O coaching and mm. uh, some legends from uh, Ultraman Dave Matheson and, yeah. um, you know, some other age group legends, Mar Marty Caron and stuff. And all those guys are up there and they're all kind of going, uh, our swim group stops swimming in Okanagan Lake in the middle of September because the water's too cold. So that's right. If I was racing, um, you know, I was scheduled to race. I was one of the last holdouts. I've been training mm -hmm. all through COVID, waiting for Ironman Canada to go. Um, for me, unfortunately, there's a scheduling conflict because mm. I'm doing the Worlds uh, right. in St. George, September 18th. Yeah. Uh, so I deferred. I deferred uh, Ironman again. But I saw Jenna Net post to you know a local pro in Penticton that she ordered up her uh, thermal helix today mm -hmm. for the swim. So. You know, I, I agree with Kevin. I think, you know, people will rock hmm. it if they're prepared, but you got to be prepared for anything on that day because September is hmm. a beautiful month when it's nice. It could be 25 and it could also be five. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. and I, I, uh, all the power to those people that are racing. I'm certainly going to miss it. I was really looking forward to it. Uh, I think people that prepare uh, for all the conditions and are trained you might have a great shot at getting punching your ticket to Kona if that's what you want to do because I think the field will be reduced. I think people will show up unprepared, so that will further reduce the field. It's going to be exciting to see what happens. Yeah. It's great. And, yeah. and, and it does sound like there's going to be uh, the usual cachet of pros doing this race according to what the folks have been saying on the Ironman Canada Facebook page. Yeah, which is strange because that's – Three weeks before Kona. Yes. So what pros are racing Kona or racing Ironman Canada on September 26th that are racing Kona on October 10th? Yeah. I'd say probably none. Matt Russell is probably one of the only crazy ones that I can think that does that. Yeah. That, hmm. you know, does a, an Ironman three weeks out to prep for Kona. But yeah. <laughs> um, we'll have to see, I guess. I don't know. Maybe people that haven't got a Kona slot. So. Yeah. Have a, have a last hurrah there. And by the way, I, I've got this thing figured because I'm going to be one of those crazy people jumping in the water that day. Uh, problem solved. It's it's called 14% body fat. Well, that'll help too. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, hey, I, <laughs> I remember doing, uh, and when my wife Ann started doing triathlons, we went down to uh, Boise 
to do her first triathlon. Hmm. And we were there three days before the race to check everything out, you know, expo, pre-COVID days, hanging out with people, ride the course, all that stuff. Beautiful, 27, 28 degrees, awesome. We woke up race morning and it was uh, 32 Fahrenheit, so zero. Snowing, they closed the bike course, like white caps on the water. And I think the reservoir there that we swam in was 52. People rode, they closed the majority of the bike course. It was a 12 mile bike. We rode from the dam into town. And had I seen people doing it, I would have done it as well. But apparently, all the pros kept their wetsuit on. Oh, really? The town. Mm. I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't see that, <laughs> and I froze because I took mine off. But I mean, the people doing Canada. I think if you prepare, right? I mean, I you know, I would take the time if it was me when I got out of the water to probably dry off, mm-hmm. change my clothes. That extra one or two minutes putting dry clothes on, if it's only going to be ten or twelve or fourteen or fifteen yeah. degrees. You know, something like that's going to make a huge difference over five or six hours, right? And mm-hmm. I think if you prepare properly, you're still going to have an awesome day. I'm super, super stoked that it's it's happening. I'm really bummed that there's a conflict for me, but yeah. I think there's conflicts for lots of people because now that they're opening up things, so many races are getting pushed together and in such a tight timeline and stuff. But hopefully, hopefully soon we'll be back to more normalcy. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Coming up next week on the show, we're traveling east to Hamilton to have a conversation of all things triathlon. From Triathlon Magazine Canada, Kevin McKinnon will be our guest. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is Helmet. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Helmet. And yes, we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether you want to get faster or go farther, TriJoy can help. With our low client-to-coach ratio, we can give you the attention you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See our link at the bottom of this page. Just a reminder, we are on Facebook. We are your local go-to spot for information and inspiration. Yes, it's FitSpeak on Facebook. And now at FitSpeak on Instagram, your place on the internet where you can see what we've been up to, what excites us, and for you to share your story in pictures. Finally, if you're listening to us on Podbean, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, why not drop by our website to see a bit more about the program, maybe leave us a comment on the show, or ideas for future programs. For Kevin Watt, Roy McBeth, and Mikey Ross, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.